Oh, 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 we're trading now. What am I supposed to do with that? Bold. Absolutely bold. Yep. JD stands for Jess Dust McKissick. <laughs> Chef's McKissick. Eat the sneaky guy who's actually the one you want at the end of the day. Everyone's grabbing their heads saying, what? No, why? Direction of correction there. My boss told me recently, it's either patience or it's complacence. I used that information. I now will call Kenny G because it's just that sexy. Hey, who's that guy? What position does he play? What, what sort of name does he do? You know, running back, I guess. Not really. See him out there looking like Michael Jordan. Dynasty. Goal is to win now and in the future. Go build a dynasty. Welcome back to the Dynasty Wire. This is your host, Iowa. I am here with my co-host, Clairvoyance FF on Twitter, Henry St. Clair. Welcome back. Thanks, man. It's always a pleasure to be here. We just finished up week four, man. We have what is right about a fourth of the season done now, and we keep pumping out shows each and every week. We've got even more shows on the horizon, and every one of these shows, we give you little tidbits often related to trading, buying, selling, values changing. And for this show, I had a listener DM me on Sleeper. I'm at Iowa in the NFL on Sleeper as well and asked, how do I deal with leagues that send bad trades and won't accept fair value trades? This seems like a common concern amongst people in leagues. Uh, Is it like that for you too, Henry? Yeah, I mean, it always feels like pulling teeth when you go on the trade, right? Especially guys that I don't want to trade. There's a trade block feature in Sleeper. And beyond that, there's a like feature. So you can let people know who your targets are, who you're willing to trade away. And there's been a couple of leagues where people just keep asking me about guys. And they're like, are you finally willing to trade that guy? It's like, no, not so much. But thanks for the the uh, offer or whatever. And then other leagues where it's just completely dead. You'll put someone on the trade block and you're really trying to get rid of them, right? You're going full rebuild and you want to trade away Derrick Henry or Aaron Jones or someone. And you know there's teams competing that could really use a top five running back and just no offers come through. Yeah, I think a lot of the reason why some people feel like they have trouble trading is they either lack the initiative or they lack the creativity. Because if you can at least send out what is a reasonable offer to begin with, you can possibly get a counter if there was ever a chance to get a counter from this individual. So in short, once bye weeks hit, the win nows and the rebuilds become more clearly defined. The motives for a trade become more clear, become easier to see. So, you know, as a win now, you might be more willing to move off your picks now that you know you're going for it all. As a rebuild, maybe you're like, okay, maybe I need to move some of these older assets and acquire picks. So as soon as we get into the bye weeks, that's when by then we're going to have a, a more clear picture. Later, it will become more apparent to your league mates the direction they're going. So you might have a little more ease of trading in that kind of a scenario. And most teams right now still feel like they're contenders. So unless you're already rebuilding, it's going to be difficult to pull off that win-win deal when you're a win now 
and they're a win now. If you're trying to pull off that kind of a deal, you want to focus on pulling off a fair deal that identifies the needs of the other party. So helping them with like their weakest area, even being willing to trade the best player in the deal when you know that you don't value this player as high as consensus, distributing that value into other players that you are more confident in or increasing the value on your roster from your perspective that these are things to consider to try to create a deal. Targeting someone who you are lower than consensus on to sell or a player that is diminishing in the long term. Right. You're going full rebuild, reaching out to those teams, you know, with Dobbins, Akers, ETN, offering them a good running back, a mix in an Aaron Jones, one of those older guys, a Zeke, you know, age 25, 26 or older and trying to break them down into a younger running back and maybe a pick. And then you can eat the year of injury because you're not competing. You can sit here with Dobbins or Akers or ETN soaking up an injured reserve spot on your lineup, giving you another roster space potentially to roster a deep shot guy that you believe in that could break out. And then also giving you younger assets going forward. Yeah, and we talked about it preseason that as the season progresses, players like Akers, Dobbins, ETN, their value is going to increase because there's fewer games that you have to wait until you get them back. Plus, people are going to be decidedly rebuilding and be throwing in the rest of the year. And at that point, they're looking at what is an asset that I can buy for next year that's going to be worth more next year. Bing! You know, that's those IR kind of guys. As far as trying to stimulate activity in your league, I approach it where I want to have the mindset that I want to make deals. I don't necessarily have to go out trying to win deals. Some people would rather just try to win a handful of deals across the longevity of the league, and that's the only way they're going to do it is if they're winning hands down. And, you know, these are my least favorite league mates. (laughs) Uh, I want to make deals. Uh, How many times does a trade go through when finally it goes down and the league mates rush to the league and then everyone starts putting up their players onto the block? Like, oh, okay. Oh, 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 we're trading now. A completed trade stimulates activity. So even if it's not like OW, it's a good thing. Like the listener's question, if you're struggling to pull off a deal in a league where it doesn't seem like anyone wants to make a deal, just getting that first deal and breaking the ice can go a long way towards future trades getting pulled off. So if you can find the most reasonable person who's willing to negotiate with you, try to pull off a deal with them. Because not only when you pull off a deal with someone, you create a pipeline for potential future trades. It shows to others that A, you are willing to accept a trade and B, you accept fair deals. So you're also helping set the market for what is considered fair. Maybe people will become more reasonable. Most of us are adults with busy lives and we don't have time to waste negotiating dead end deals. So the most efficient negotiators will often get the most offers from me. So pulling off deals that shows that negotiations with me will not be a waste of time. Yeah, like you said, just if I get a blind offer and it's nowhere even remotely close to fair, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, I got offered earlier Derrick Henry. I would be receiving Derrick Henry. In return, I give away Najee Harris a first and a second. I was like, I'd prefer Najee over Derrick Henry. Clearly, we're so far apart on our thinking. And it actually gave me a good idea to perhaps counter with giving this guy veterans because maybe he doesn't value young guys or whatever. Uh, Like you said, one trade could be the catalyst for many. There are so many leagues that just kind of sit there and are dead for a while. And then when one happens, for one, you get a lot of people throwing players on the block. And then for two, it seems that once a trade happens in most of my leagues, that people rush there to give their opinion on the trade. They're like, you know, this guy clearly won that trade. What, what a stupid trade by this guy or whatever. And it gives you insight to how they potentially value those players as well. They're giving you information for free. 
And then you could maybe even flip a player. If they think you won the trade so handedly, you go, well, they must like this player that I got. I'm going to try to resell him to him. Exactly. Often when I complete a trade, if I ended up taking someone that just didn't necessarily want, but it just needed to be in there for the value, then I'm going to immediately put that person right back onto the block because I'm willing to retrade this person, especially if somebody thinks somebody was a lopsided victor. It just depends. You know, sometimes I buy younger guys because it's a rebuild. That's basically where the Jags are at. They've got a, a lineup full of younger guys. And, you know, sometimes you experience injuries and that puts you into a rebuild. And the Jags lost my boy Chark to a fractured ankle. Done for the season. How's this hitting you? Luckily, I was not super heavily invested in Chark. There were the offseason rumors that they wanted Kadarius Tony in the draft. Rumors that they were going to trade Chark to the Ravens at some point. None of those came to fruition, but through what Urban Meyer said about Chark needing to play with more physicality, it gave me the mindset that perhaps he was falling out of favor. Now, whether or not that was correct, I was lucky enough not to be invested. However, Chark is on the last year of his rookie contract, so he likely will be out of Jacksonville next year. This means that LaVisca Chenault is going to be the clear number one tied to Trevor Lawrence. He's not a prototypical one. He's kind of a gadget guy moving around. But if he gets hyper-targeted out of the slot, it seems like he's their only option in the passing game outside of Marvin Jones right now. But LaVisca is so young and tied to someone that we expect to be one of the best quarterbacks. Could be very valuable. Yep, super excited for Chenault. Chenault to the moon. Last week, they traded for Dan Arnold, and Dan Arnold was third in catches and second in yards after DJ Chark went down. So I think that if you're in desperate need for tight end, Dan Arnold is something that could be streamable. And honestly, as we go through the show, there's there's a bunch of tight ends that are emerging from borderline irrelevance or at least fringe level player that are emerging as possible streaming starters that just feeds into the whole it's either the top tight end or wait till the last one because guys like these pop up all the time carlos hyde was inactive and in his place j rob flashed back to 2020 j rob and had another good day curious to see whether hyde's back next week uh, j rob pulled the okie doke on me he changed his jersey number this offseason the first couple of games i'd be watching i'm like oh thank goodness i'd be playing against james robinson in the league and i'm like someone scored and it wasn't james robinson and then i'd look at the back of his jersey and it says Robinson. Like, please tell me they have another Robinson. And uh, he just changed yeah. his number. Uh, another running back out there in this game versus the Bengals was Joe Mixon, who was limping around on the sideline, whatever you want to call it, be it limp or stretch or whatever, diagnosed low-grade ankle in his day-to-day. If for some reason he can't make it, Samaj P. Ryan and Chris Evans are uh, potential pickups. I've kind of liked Chris Evans for a long time. as like one of the deep sleepers from Michigan there. There's several players Donovan People Jones that leave don't necessarily have a huge production while they're at Michigan and actually end up being decent players in the NFL. And Chris Evans was getting raved about his catching abilities uh, leading up to the season. So if for some reason Mixon were to miss, I do not like Samaj P. Ryan, but I think he could be kind of the same level of gross Peyton Barber replacement for the starter when they go down. I don't know. What do you think about the Bengals backfield? One of the coaches referred to Chris Evans in the offseason is the most talented pass catcher he's ever seen. And that was, you know, a shocking thing to say, given they have Jamar Chase on the team, T. Higgins. You presume he meant running back. They did have Puka Williams at some point on the practice squad. Curious if he gets called up. Chris Evans hopefully gets some passing work, can be relevant in full PPR leagues. Like you said, Samaj Pirine, he's not that old at 26, but he seems old. He's been around like a journeyman. He's kind of a plotter. He's a bigger
bigger guy, maybe gets the goal line. I'm not looking to start either of them unless I absolutely have to. Even if I was a mixing manager and I had one, there's no clear handcuff to me. Yeah, when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. And if you were scraping the bottom of the barrel in the previous weeks, you might have picked up like a CJ Uzoma who had zero last week. Well, this week, five catches, 95 yards, two touchdowns. Going to be a popular ad. Will have already been added by the time you hear this. But this is a prime example of why I sell all but like the top couple tiers of tight ends any chance I get. You get those mid-range guys somebody's interested and you can turn it into something that's not a tight end i'm doing it so that i can pick up guys like this cj uzoma who blows up in you know week four of the 21 season yeah this will be more than likely the best game of his career the only one that we look back on and we're like holy cow he put up a ton of points this week what happened and then falls off a cliff he's coming off an achilles tear he's up there in age like you said any of these tight ends that have one of those big blow up weeks i'm always looking to deal him for dang near anything I have a little tiny crush on Uzoma from last year because he was really doing well before he tore his Achilles last year and was a popular pickup of mine right before immediately getting turning around and getting injured. So in like a tight end premium league where you're flexing tight ends, maybe a, a hefty premium. He was someone I liked last year and someone I like this year too. He wasn't the only pass catcher out there. Tyler Boyd actually led the team in yards and catches, but still Jamar Chase the Dragon did his own thing there with Higgins out. Target's consolidated to what was basically these three players there and while targets have consolidated there there's been a couple extra people added to the washington football team's wide receiving corpse losing logan thomas to an injury though this might not necessarily be a long-term thing it's week to week from what i understand but curtis samuel is back man what you think about this washington football team Gosh, well, pre-draft, I had Diami Brown right up there with some of the best receivers in the class, and he's looked good on the field. Obviously not the most ideal situation coming in with Taylor Heineke as your quarterback and not a ton of opportunity on the table. Curtis Samuel, however, was a guy that I was way higher on than everyone else coming into the season, and he hits IR before the season even starts. Finally got to activate him off IR. He looked all right in his debut. One of the worst defenses in the entire NFL on the Falcons. Second worst defense in terms of points given up. Heineke looked okay, but like you said, I'm looking to perhaps sell high on the big game, and I don't necessarily expect him to continue to be, you know, a Kurt Warner type of guy come on at age 28 out of nowhere back up in the xfl from old dominion undrafted forever ago i love the story i'm rooting for the guy and he he gives it his all he sees a pylon he's diving for that thing he's lowering his shoulder i mean he loves playing the game of football but you watch his release and it's just this elongated terrible motion and it's just not an offense that i want to bet on yeah taylor heineke He's been rising in my ranks, but it's not someone I've been going out and trying to pay that price that I'm elevating him to because he has that job security warning flag. Like Fitzpatrick is out until at least week 10. Doesn't necessarily mean he won't get it back. Now, he's been doing awesome, dude. And that's, you know, why he rises in ranks. But rather than buying him, I've been saying, okay, I've got him as my QB3. I can move this other QB that I have because I picked up Taylor Heineke. So, I've been using it as an opportunity to try to move off of like a Mayfield or a car when I've got Taylor Heineke as my QB three or four on a team. JD McKissick, man, 
as much as I uh, would have liked for Antonio Gibson to be just breaking out all over the place, J.D. McKissick had half the rushes as Gibson, but more than twice the catches. And depending on the league, some of the leagues he outscored him. He may not be a one-year wonder after all. He can be like a James White guy who's not necessarily a spring chicken, or maybe he's like a like a Heinz role in an offense, even though he's a little bit older. He absolutely elevated jumping and making a diving touchdown highlight reel. As far as the average watching fan, he may uh, be crescendoing in a value where you might be able to move off of him. But, you know, just Chef's McKissick. JD stands for Just Dust McKissick. <laughs> Curtis Samuel coming back off the IR. Samuel drafted by Rivera in Carolina. Obviously gave him the huge contract in the offseason. Someone that Rivera wants for his offense, his Norv Turner offense. Samuel would get 20-plus carries a year, used in the backfield, outside, catching passes out of the backfield, flexibility everywhere. McKissick kind of takes that role when Samuel's not there. He's obviously a, a great pass catcher. I am curious when that offense gets all its weapons back, if it ever happens, exactly how involved McKissick will be. He seems to be the clear cuff to Gibson, bulked up a little bit to be able to handle more carries. Gibson would love to see him get more involved in the passing game as he had that prowess in college being a wide receiver. But as of right now, it looks like McKissick is the receiving back to have. I do find it unusual that he hasn't been used more in the passing game there. In the passing game, Terry McLaurin. I'm not going to say Scary Terry because now that nickname belongs to Tamori and Terry. But Terry McLaurin blew up this game, two touchdowns over 100 yards. Uh, Had a great game there. Someone else who's been a little bit scary to try to start in your super flex spot has been Matt Ryan on the other side of the the line of scrimmage there. Uh, he finally posted a decent game. He wants your 33 plus, man. If you're posting decent games and you can flip him, then that's someone I'm trying to flip, not someone I'm trying to go out and acquire. Uh, his future's kind of murky there. If they take a QB next year or they sign a QB next year or they move him, I, I just think there's, uh, well, it's been Matt Ryan for a long time there. I think it's coming to an end sooner than later. Been some uncertainty regarding him. He does have the contractual commitment from the team to be around. Perhaps they draft someone, sit him for a year behind him, work him in eventually. Or like you said, deal him to perhaps the Steelers or someone after Ben is gone. Matt Ryan looked really awful in that first week against Philly. I think Philly's defense was better when healthy when they had Brandon Graham and all their pieces available. He's gotten better every week. A guy that will be good for fantasy so long as he's the starter and their defense continues to suck. They're going to have to put up points to create shootouts. That was the hope. And the beneficiary so far of that has been Corderell Patterson. Like we all expected. Yeah, like no one expected. Like multiple people dropped and are now disappointed. As far as for dynasty purposes, I think he's kind of like a confusing player. Really hard to pin down what his value might be in like a dynasty trade. You know, he's 30 years old. He's a journeyman. He's not playing like a high percentage of snaps, but he's getting touchdowns. He's getting enough catches in like a PPR league, especially. I'm sure there's some people that are extreme box score watchers that are probably valuing him higher than his value. I'd imagine he's probably a sell, but then there's some people that are going to look at it as 30-year-old journeymen who might accept, you know, not a whole lot for him. But if I'm selling him, a little bit of caution because he may be valuable for like a win now for this year. But if I'm a rebuild, I have zero interest. If I'm win now, I'm not trying to give up future picks to acquire him. It just doesn't make sense because I'm not sure 
sure he has value after this year. Yeah, definitely not someone that I have targeted in any trade. Not in a single one of my leagues have I looked at my roster and said, you know what would go great with this roster? Cordero Patterson. I think Kyle Pitts has taken a while to latch on, you know, transitioning from college to the NFL. Ridley, no other real wide receiver options there. So he's on the field a little bit more than you'd expect, although not a ton on offense. Certainly when he is on the field, he seems to get the targets because no one else is getting open. Gage can't separate. Mike Davis has been the the one getting punished by Patterson scoring all these touchdowns. Mike Davis should be the goal line back. He's a capable receiving back. And yet we see Patterson scoring all the points. I see Mike Davis did get a touchdown this week, and he broke some tackles on the way there trying to you know, make his case for a goal line back. But this was Wayne Gallman's debut as well. He got a half dozen carries himself. So just worse and worse news for Mike Davis. He's, what, 28, super worried for Mike Davis. His next big game, or even if you can sell him now, is something where I probably want to get out of this because I think it's something where its value is on a decrescendo there. A team with its value on a decrescendo there is uh, the Texans. Uh, Tyrod Taylor outscored Davis Mills, and Tyrod Taylor is on IR. The sell window to get rid of Davis Mills probably closed. You probably should have sold him last week. Even in like a floor game for Brandon Cooks, it was still a respectable game. And me personally, I can't wait for Nico Collins uh, to get back because I'm just not super excited about any of the other pass catchers there. Just no interest in their backfield at all, period. A team put up zero points against the Bills last week. It's going to be hard for anyone to have fantasy value. I called the Davis Mills four interceptions game against the Panthers. Turns out we had to wait a week for that. (laughs) He put this mirage game up against the Panthers where he played clean and conservative, close to the vest. I think the coach, you know, had him by the reins and was telling him exactly what play to run, exactly where to go with the ball, and he did an okay job of executing the offense. We saw them go down by a lot of points against the Bills, and them start to have to ad lib, and it got ugly fast. The game script decided the carries to go for the Bills. Uh, It ended up with Singletary and Moss splitting the carries evenly there. But as far as the pass catchers, man, Dawson Knox again. I've been saying it for a while. Fort Knox is a safe play. I'd imagine at this point he's probably getting added just about everywhere. He's looking like a streamable tight end this year. Couple leagues where I had George Kittle and he had that questionable tag with the calf. Right. About half of them, I opted for Dawson Knox. I just didn't want all my eggs in one basket of playing Kittle with the injury, seeing if he'd be limited. And Dawson Knox came through with two touchdowns. Him and Allen seemed to be on the same wavelength, and the Bills' offense is just nuclear. Yeah. And while Iowa tight end Kittle was questionable and ended up playing, the other Iowa tight end at least didn't have a terrible game this week. The Lions versus the Bears, Quintez Cephas, Amon Ross St. Brown, and the Wiz Khalif Raymond all put up their own little respectable weeks. This is just going to be something really difficult to predict week to week. One or all or none of them may blow up in any given week. And I don't know if even blow up's the right word. Be adequately streamable in any given week you know Tyrell Williams is on IR and he's going to come back eventually and I'm not excited about him either but I am kind of encouraged to see that Amon Ra St. Brown puts up his best game of the year leading the team in targets I want to talk about a quarterback like Matt Ryan that's probably on the outs Jared Goff has yet to win a game without Sean McVay as his head coach started off in 2016 with Jeff Fisher went 0-8 or 0-9 and with Dan Campbell there in Detroit it's been more of the same nothing the Lions are the 
greatest team and should have had high expectations to win. But we see the fumbles, the the snap that went off his own hand or body. He's not been playing clean football. I would expect Detroit to have a different QB under center next year. Wow, as quick as next year. Uh, his play so far has been disappointing, and what else is disappointing is David Montgomery's knee strain that is likely going to keep him out for a month or more. Behind him, Damian Williams, next man up. Well, he's got like a thigh injury too. Well, what about Terry Cohen? Well, the earliest he's back is week seven, and their bye week is week 10. So maybe Khalil Herbert? Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech. Always flashed on tape to me. A straight line speedster. He was a late round pick by them. Uh, They acquired Jakeem Grant to potentially take over those punt return, kick return responsibilities so Khalil Herbert can play on offense. Damian Williams wearing number eight this year. Another guy that's a, a mental challenge when you see someone wearing single digits on offense. You're like, who's that guy? What position does he play? What's, what's his name? What does he do? A little dinged up. Tariq Cohen, even if he were back, he's not the you know first and second down between the tackles type of runner. I would expect it to be Khalil Herbert running between the tackles. He's their best actual runner on the team. His profile isn't really exciting, but you know he was a kick returner at Virginia Tech. He's a dynamic player. He was, you know, handling some of the return duties for the Bears. Well, the Bears traded a six-round pick for Jakeem Grant as soon as David Montgomery goes out with a knee strain. And what that tells me is they needed someone to be the new kick and punt returner because Khalil Herbert's about to have a role on offense. I think Damian Williams is going to be the one people are projecting to be the starter in the absence of David Montgomery, especially deep leagues or maybe even not deep leagues, man. Khalil Herbert might be the sneaky guy who's actually the one you want at the end of the day. Got him on a couple taxis out there, the ones that locked before the season. Mm-hmm. When, you know, Montgomery has had his fair share of injuries and murky backup situation. Someone that could play themselves into the cuff role or break out as the backup. Definitely an ad. If he's available in any of your leagues, he should not be anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, that's exciting for him. Allen Robinson has been less than exciting, but where he has lacked, Darnell Mooney has shined. It's basically Darnell to the Mooney. What do you say? Wonder if it's Andy Dalton having that sort of connection with Allen Robinson, working with the ones on the offseason. Darnell Mooney obviously was working with the ones, but for some reason seems to have some better connection with Fields than both being younger guys, perhaps getting more work together in the offseason. Don't always know if those veterans making $20 million a year playing on the franchise tag may be unhappy with the Bears. Don't know if he was putting in all the practice reps, the extra reps that a guy like Mooney is probably going out there seeking, you know, calling up Fields on his day off how you want to go through the ball around potentially just takes a while to build a rapport between fields and robinson not a guy that i am worried about he's always been the target monster getting 150 targets a year probably won't see those numbers this year still a very talented player if you can get him on the cheap he has a bright future ahead of him yeah cheap it would be the only way i'm getting him i still wouldn't rule out him getting traded at some point this season the panthers traded for darnold and it's been working out so far man I know you've got uh, some way to interpret this, but he's got two rushing touchdowns in this game alone. He was climbing a lot of dynasty ranks. This is a guy who was getting taken after, like, Winston and uh, several other quarterbacks that aren't even nearly as productive as him, and he's 24 years old, where a lot of these quarterbacks are older quarterbacks. How are you interpreting what Darnold's done so far? 
One of the favorite inside jokes that we have gone on is that Darnold is younger than Joe Burrow, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. You know, came two years before him in the draft. Perhaps he was young and exposed to a terrible team in the New York Jets and kind of ruined his development. They put everything on his shoulders and he just wasn't ready to carry the load. When you give him an offensive coordinator that's more creative and willing to tailor his offense around Darnold's strengths, we've seen him blossom here with Robbie Anderson, who has not really performed that well with Darnold, DJ Moore, CMC, Terrace Marshall, Chuba Hubbard even. He's got the weapons. And we saw on the goal line against the Texans, one of those read option plays where it fakes to McCaffrey. Everyone on the field follows McCaffrey. He walks in for a touchdown. Gets six fantasy points for that. It's great. Does lead the league in rushing touchdowns right now of any position more than any running back or quarterback or anyone, period. So <laughs> perhaps not that type of ceiling, but he has looked good and the Panthers have been the surprise of the league. So you're telling me Darnold isn't going to finish the year as the rushing touchdown leader? I'm going to make a bold prediction and say that he falls off. Bold. Absolutely bold. <laughs> and uh, something that's kind of bold, I think DJ Moore is just now getting into the what is a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. What do you say? He's a great, another jersey change guy, number two now. He's special with that ball in his hands. He can get open at every level of the field. Deep, he's got the speed. Over the middle, get the ball in his hands. He's going to take that slant to the house. Put him in motion, give him handoffs, everything. Been the favorite target of Darnold. Seems to have the best rapport with him. Something with Anderson and Darnold is just missing. With CMC going down, he's been the focal point of that offense. And he's young, very young. He's a very talented player. On the other side of the ball, the Cowboys, for the most part, from my perspective, they are who we thought they were. The only thing that I really took away from this game is that Schultz really looks like he's the tight end roster. There was a lot of debate whether it's him or Jarwin or whether they're going to trade games, but Schultz another week in a row with a bunch of targets and catches. Jarwin did have a touchdown, but it was on one catch. Schultz is becoming more clearly defined as the tight end to roster on the Cowboys. Yep, I think it has been Schultz. The snaps have been about equal the routes about equal but Schultz has been far more productive so you would expect him to start getting more opportunities yeah absolutely uh next game on our docket is the Colts and Dolphins everyone hype on Hines uh, got pretty quiet this week as Jonathan Taylor handled the bulk of the work and he had less carries than even Marlon Mack Marlon Mack is definitely affecting Naheem Hines at least this game I understand that Naheem Hines was a little bit dinged and it wasn't playing catch-up mode where Naheem Hines you know might play more no problem with Taylor and honestly with like the elevation of Swift it's basically Taylor Swift CMC and Barkley in that top four RB tier for me it's the tier that we've all had throughout the offseason was Jonathan Taylor, Barkley, CMC, Swift for me. CMC with his age, the injuries coming on, they just start piling up when you get to that age. When one happens, it's a snowball. And they both have looked great, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, that is. Swift slowly becoming more and more involved over Jamal Williams. Talent is winning out there, proving that he's healthy. He had the groin injury and some other concerns. Saw Michael Pittman have another great game. He had that breakout early in the year. And then he faced the Rams, and I was like, he's going to get shadowed by Ramsey. He's not going to have that great of a game. He dominated Jalen Ramsey, six foot four guy. Something we've seen with Wentz is that he loves those tall targets. When he was in Philadelphia,
Philadelphia, it was Alshon Jeffrey, 6'5", Ertz, Goddard, the big dudes on the field. Because once the big guy himself has an over-the-top motion, they like to play above the rim. Basketball-type team, and he's hyper-targeting Pittman. Would expect with the ankle injuries of Wentz to have checked it down to Hines more, and it's a bit alarming that he didn't for Hines' sake. He got that contract extension, potentially a buy low if he could, but not someone that I like nearly as much as someone else we know. Yep. My boy JT there. And uh, you mentioned it there with targeting big guys. Typically Doyle rules. Well, Doyle is limited with a back this week. So all off season, one of my favorite like way late stashes, especially in like a 0.5 TEP or a greater tight end premium league is Mo Alley Cox. And while I've been wishing for Mo Alley Cox, I got some Mo Alley Cox this week as he scored two touchdowns <laughs> from Carson Wentz. Like you said, a huge guy. I want to say he's 6'5 or 6'6 and 270 pounds. He's an offensive lineman out there running a dancing bear, if you will. He's just mauling people. Throws up a 50-50 ball, and he's like, I'm bigger than you. I'm going to catch this ball over you. I'm going to throw you to the ground, whatever. And that's good for Wentz, who has not looked super accurate. Just throw it to a big guy and let that catch radius come into play. Yep, and while Wentz hasn't been looking very good, someone who is also not looking very good is Miles Gaskin. It almost appears as Miles Gaskin is running out of gas, or there's something else going on there, man. But Malcolm Brown had eight carries to Gaskin's two. Next big game I see out of Gaskin, I want out of this. Like I, I'm worried about this. If you're if you haven't gotten out of him already, I might be looking to do it. Negative game script, they were down almost the entire game, so you'd expect their best receiving back to be out there. For my money, it's Malcolm Brown. During the offseason, we heard reports from the coaching staff say, we like Malcolm Brown on a number of different snaps. We like him on goal line because he's big. We like him on third down because he can block and run routes. Gaskin may still be their between-the-tackles runner, but there weren't a whole lot of opportunities like that. We saw Brown get 66% of the snaps. Curious to see if Gaskin gets reinvolved or if this is just a shift away from him. With uh, Fuller's hand injury, you know, I guess maybe Gaskin could uh, be more involved, but it's definitely a plus for Parker, Waddle, and Gusecki, who all had a decent game of their own this week. Parker had that weird back of the end zone, almost touchdown was called, and then on red zone even, they said it was brought back, and then it wasn't brought back, so he got the touchdown. Waddle, a top six pick in this draft, someone that they invested highly in. They had him as their number one receiver in the class, from what I've heard, over Jamar Chase. Expect him to get more and more involved in a traditional sense. In college, we saw him as a punt returner, a kick returner. He's proven that he can be a real wide receiver and a fantasy contributor especially with Will Fuller out, another field stretcher. Waddle can have that role all to himself and perhaps get a quarterback eventually other than Brissett who can get it to him. He could be a potential by low right now. He's getting the targets and the opportunities. At the end of the day, it's either going to be Tua or Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback, so there's only so excited you can get. And that's kind of how I approach the Browns, because no matter what, it's going to be a whole lot of runs and not as much passing game. And while it isn't necessarily because maybe the team talent isn't there like with the Dolphins or whatever, it's just really hard to get excited about a Browns passing game. But in their game, both Chubb and Hunt continue to be playable, putting up weeks that you are likely starting. And as far as another Brown note, it seems like Felton and Schwartz have swapped roles. 
like where Felton was the kick returner and Schwartz was getting some work at wide receiver. Well, Schwartz was the kick returner now, and now Felton's getting some work at wide receiver. What do you think of that? Schwartz has the capital there, the third-round pick. But Felton, to me, coming out, I was shocked when he ran his 40 because he reminded me of Kamara. Maybe as a lazy comparison because he ran with the tape on his arms in college. But a receiving back capable. When he was in space, he made people miss. And it's Pac-12. It's a little hard to judge exactly who he's making miss but he played faster than his 40. Seems like a versatile weapon, someone they can split out wide, throw the ball to. Was a little worried that he's buried behind Chubb and Hunt, who he plays a lot like. But if he's used lined up wide at wide receiver, he has some intrigue. Hunt probably leaving after the year with his contract situation and Chubb's extension. Felton could be the eventual cuff to Chubb. As of right now, no, not a ton of interest in him, but an interesting player. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if it works, shakes out as running back or wide receiver because it seems like some of these opportunities have come from Landry being down there and speaking of injuries it doesn't have to be this week but I think you should inquire about Madison you know the Vikings on the other side of the field for the Browns there uh, Cook played hurt and re-aggravated his ankle injury now Madison didn't necessarily do anything this week so it might actually be that little window you want to get Madison but when Madison comes in and it gets the whole workload he has a chance to be a top 10 scoring player in all of fantasy football that week and he's 23 years old. Might You might have to wait till Cook puts up a decent game, but I would inquire about Madison. There are, of all the random running backs you can stick on your bench who you can't necessarily start and need something good to happen, Madison has the kind of upside that you call league-winning potential when you can get into that upper tier of players' scores in a week if something were to happen to Cook. So Madison's someone I'm... Uh, I'm interested in just like a like a Pollard, you know, and a Dylan and a Hubbard. You said it there, Pollard. People went crazy for Tony Pollard after the start he had to the season. They go, he would be amazing if anything were to happen to Zeke. He'd be the best cuff in football. I think Madison is right there with them for the best cuff in football. Third round pick out of Boise State a couple of years ago. I lived up in Minnesota for a while, and after labrum surgery, I was relegated to sitting on the couch with an ice pack on my shoulder watching Vikings games. They would rotate him in and out sometimes, and I couldn't tell the difference. About the same height and weight, a similar run style. He seemed like a Cook clone. We saw it last week where he had you know twenty plus carries for hundred plus yards and put on a show. That's what he's you know capable of doing if given the opportunity. And Cook uh, does not have the greatest health history. Even though Madison's a little younger than Pollard. I think I'd still rather have Pollard simply because he has standalone value even with Zeke healthy. He's been putting up flex-worthy weeks and whatnot. Absolutely. They seem to use two backs more. They get Pollard the ball in the passing game. Seems to be a better receiver than Madison. He's really special out of the backfield. But Madison, as far as a runner goes, it's right there. Yeah, man. Another backup running back who I had been stashing was Tony Jones, who looked really good in the preseason, but he got hurt. I'm curious to see how whatever ends up being the RB2 there works out, but it's Camara season for sure. Troutman sucked again. Uh, he only had one target. Juwan Johnson had three targets and uh, had a catch for a touchdown there. At uh, QB, Taysom Hill, man, stole the show. Uh, had two rushing touchdowns, looked unstoppable, breaking tackles, running like he's Marshawn Lynch or something. And this is the absolute worst case scenario. 
for Jameis Winston. What do you think? Like you said, Taysom Hill doing his best Sam Darnold impersonation. Maybe someday <laughs> he can get to that level. We'll see. See, it was just a weird game from the Saints. Kamara didn't catch a single pass the entire game, and he had his career high in carries. Did they forget something about Alvin Kamara being a special weapon in the receiving game? All their receivers, Michael Thomas being on IR, you know, their best receiver being an undrafted free agent from Florida. You know, not targeting Kamara at all seemed a little crazy to me. Daniel Jones, the team referred to him as a special player. No Slayton, no Shepard this game. Saw Kadarius Toney get a big role, do a lot with it. I think Daniel Jones is one of my favorite dynasty quarterbacks because of the affordability to him, the youthfulness of him, and I truly believe in the talent of the player. He's got wheels. I'd mm-hmm. you know, go as far as to say that he's more athletic than Sam Darnold. If I had to bet on one of them getting a rushing touchdown, it would be Daniel Jones. Uh, if only he could avoid his own feet, he'd get more of them. But the Giants somehow pulled it out. Yeah, you said it there. Tony got a a decent little workload this week. Last week, I was like, okay, cool. Tony's about to break out. Nothing. But then this week, they they actually did make him somewhat of a a focal point. Uh, Me looking at him in the draft, I really didn't, in like rookie drafts and looking at where he went in the NFL draft, I just felt like he was overpaid for in most case scenarios. The further we got from the NFL draft, the later Tony went in drafts. Does seem like there might be somewhat of a knucklehead factor as alluded to by Sheehan there. (laughs) He does look like like Percy Harvin when he's running with the ball. Just electric, jitter, impressive, elusiveness. He's exciting to watch when he gets the ball in his hands there. It would be really cool for them to find a way to actually use him. And he might still have another opportunity if the other wide receivers can't return there. Because, you know, Evan Ingram, Kenny Galladay, and John Ross each had their own decent games in the absence of the others, as well as Tony. Speaking of Mr. John Ross, I for one don't think it was a touchdown. He caught it, you know, hit the ground, kind of rolled. I think he got touched early. We're thinking about him a lot differently if he doesn't have those six points for the touchdown. But he's still young, 25. Same class as Mike Williams, Corey Davis. We saw, we've seen the Mike Williams breakout potentially now. Saw the Corey Davis breakout last year. John Ross gets the opportunity. Could happen. I wouldn't bet on it, but it's about the same time those other guys broke out. Saw Devontae Parker break out later. Obviously, he's a speedster. Pair that with, you know, PFF's highest graded deep ball thrower. Don't know that we fully believe that he's the best deep ball thrower in the league, but he can stretch the field, Daniel Jones. Worst guys to have a dart throw on. Absolutely. And like you said it there, he's not as old as you might think he is just by thinking of how many years you've been seeing him in the league. Uh, Someone who is as probably old as you think he is is Derrick Henry, who had 33 carries in the game of the Titans versus Jets. I know basically this team of the Jets here is just full of players that you love and adore. So just walk me through what I need to know for Dynasty for the Jets here. Special team. Bright future. Can't get much worse. Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur's younger brother, is their offensive coordinator. Robert Sala in the offseason, their new head coach, took over for Adam Gaze, who caused so many problems for fantasy. Robert Sala has said on multiple occasions that he believes Mike LaFleur is next up for a head coaching job. Really a young, bright mind in the league. He's been setting up a much more productive offense that Zach Wilson has become more familiar with. Finally saw his weapons get healthy with Crowder and Keelan Cole finally coming into their own. Missing Mekhi Becton is not great for them right now at left tackle, but Zach Wilson put on a show. He rolled out to his right, motioned receiver up the field, and threw a 50-yard dime for a touchdown. A surprise upset win over the Titans. Titans were missing a few guys on offense. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, missing both with lower leg injuries. 
they, they expect to be back week to week, and they missed their center at some point during the game. But the Jets pulled it out. Michael Carter, 13 carries, led the team, taking over for Tevin Coleman, a couple other injured guys. Josh Adams didn't resign with their practice squad. Saw Michael Carter get in on the ground for once, which is great. If the Jets can score more than the zero points they put up against the Broncos, young running back, fourth round capital, the first running back really selected by this regime. He's the eventual 1A in the backfield. Yeah, the arrow is pointing up for the Jets as far as now through the future here. Just one more note on this game. (laughs) Jeremy McNichols led the team and catches targets and yards with both Julio and A.J. Brown out. People are trying to guess which wide receiver is going to break out. Nope, it's it's the running back, I guess. But Darrington Evans is about to be back, too. I don't know what you take from that. I had to start Nick Westbrook-Akeen in a couple leagues. Didn't quite pan out the way that I had hoped. Josh Reynolds had a few decent targets. We see Elijah Moore miss this game. Still in the concussion protocol. He's going to be out of the concussion protocol by next week. I'm not sure that I want to start any of those wide receivers next week. With how much I love Zach Wilson, they're playing in London. Not sure how that's going to affect a rookie quarterback, a team under a first-year head coach against the Falcons, who obviously have their own problems. A bottom two defense in the league. You'd love to fire up your Jets next week. But with Corey Davis, Keelan Cole, Crowder, Elijah Moore coming back, it's going to be Corey Davis for sure as a wide receiver one. But who's going to be the odd man out there in the musical chairs game for the wide receiver two and three role? Saw Keelan Cole most of the offseason working as the Z receiver, the other outside receiver opposite Corey Davis. And Crowder kind of in the slot and Elijah Moore working in wherever he could get snaps. He could be the odd man out until someone gets injured or he proves himself coming off a concussion. I don't love starting him next week. Another wide receiver room that's playing musical chairs in the coming weeks is the Chiefs, as Josh Gordon might be playing next week. Hardman, Pringle, the assortment of tight ends other than Kelsey really didn't do much. And as a matter of fact, it was a floor game from Kelsey. Tyreek blew up, though. And, you know, CEH had another good game. Granted, it's here versus the Eagles. Darrell Williams also had a decent game, and he's on the list of fringe backup running backs that are worth a, worth a stash and a hold there. Yep, he got that goal line carry, vultured from Clyde. Saw Clyde get in again, another receiving touchdown back-to-back weeks. It was the goofiest underhand pass I've seen in a while. It's like Mahomes was throwing a softball, you know, that weird wind-up underhand toss. Clyde got in, ran, for, you know, over 100 yards again, second week in a row, potentially proving people wrong that hated on him. And I think a lot of the Clyde hate stemmed from expectations. When he's a first-round pick on the best offense in football at the time, was undisputed. People were taking him 101 in rookie drafts over Jonathan Taylor, over DeAndre Swift. Guys that you might have liked the talent of more. If there were no landing spots, you probably wouldn't have taken Clyde first or second overall. But because he got the Chiefs, you thought, I'll invest in him. And then he was the RB23 in PPR last year and never really had a good breakout game. I saw he's never had a game over 20 points in fantasy in full PPR. So people perhaps have these lofty expectations and he's just under them. And so they think he's really bad, but he's, he's a good player. Yeah, you get that sometimes. Knee-jerk reactions in the direction of correction there. Maybe some of that might have gone down with Hertz, who's been a real reliable QB1. It's basically, this is a matchup of the two most reliable QB1s through four weeks, which is strange to hear Mahomes versus Hertz, but it's just the way it's been as far as for fantasy purposes there. Granted, a lot of it's coming garbage time it's not pretty when you're throwing the ball away on fourth down and everyone's grabbing their heads saying what no why 
but you know you will listen to him in pressers and it's hard not to love the guy this guy wants to get at least one percent better every day it'd be cool if he could get two three four five percent better every day but you know he's still getting better every day and this is after only eight starts you know people want to completely judge the guy after eight starts says that he's this and he's that well he's shown improvement so hopefully he can continue to show improvement regardless of his team's win percentage it's crazy he had that interview on the presser talking about you flush it right you flush that game and i won't get into all those you know nasty details like he did you know you, you have a bad game you look at it and you flush it <laughs> and gardner Minshew's there and all offseason he was talking about number twos i don't know what it is about the eagles and talking about <laughs> that sort of stuff man but i think they might have a special bond <laughs> yeah or maybe that's why they went and got him They'd be like this man talks like we like to hear here hurts even doing what he's done which has been pretty cool as far as fantasy purposes has been with not necessarily the most difficult schedule a couple decent matchups uh, as you pointed out to me actually earlier today but his uh, playoff schedule looks pretty good facing the, what has been a porous defense in the washington football team giving up what the third most points so far this year not something we would have expected with, you know, Chase Young on one side and Montez Sweat on the other. Brought in William Jackson, big money contract and free agency. Ron Rivera, defense. You're not expecting them to be bottom three in points given up. And yet they are. Like you said, his big two games have been against the two worst teams in football in terms of points given up. And you can make the argument, well, it's so early in the year because Hurts had a great game. That made them the worst defense. Nah, I think the Chiefs are a pretty bad defense right now. Missing Frank Clark, a big part of their team. Moving Chris Jones outside the defensive end, he looks so uncomfortable. It's watching, you know, like Nadamik and Sue trying to play edge contain. He's not going to be able to contain anyone. He can barely run up the middle, let alone chase, you know, Jalen Hurts all over the field. We saw Kenny Gainwell have a decent game, three for 31, a touchdown, I think, on the ground, six catches, if I'm remembering correctly. He's the receiving back. Miles Sanders graded out as one of the worst two running backs out of 150 eligible running backs for worst pass catcher in all of football. So the draft of Gainwell, who played some receiver running back, like we see with all running backs from Memphis, Gibson and Pollard and Henderson. He outperformed him for fantasy, but was still clearly not the RB1 in terms of snap count and opportunities. Yes, he hasn't overtaken Sanders yet, but still, Sanders is breaking my heart, man. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> Consolation prize is that Kenny Gainwell, who I now will call Kenny G because it's just that sexy. <laughs> not not Kenny Galladay. That's not sexy anymore. I have Kenny Gainwell in a lot of places and someone who, you know, I liked in the pre-draft process, which is where I got a, the vast majority of my shares there. Really sad for Sanders there. Ertz hasn't been traded yet. He's still been playable, him and Dallas there. I think Ertz might be kind of a sneaky buy if people aren't really correcting him up in like a, a tight end premium league really specifically because otherwise he's just another one of the streamable tight ends. Yeah, it's strange to see two tight ends on the same team be relevant, but it has been Philadelphia that we've seen that from. These same two guys for the last couple of years here. Greg Ward almost got another garbage time touchdown. This one he dropped. The other week he caught it. So he's been taking away opportunities from Quez Watkins potentially. Curious to see why he's been on the field so much. If they could just somehow ward off Ward's production and let the sophomore wide receivers get those looks, I would be much more pleased. 
I hear he's been winning all the rock, paper, scissors games in meeting rooms, so that's why he's been getting on the field. Well, that would make sense, I guess, because I definitely like the sophomore wide receivers a lot better. <laughs> you said that uh, Ertz being relevant, a surprising person of relevance is Max with 2X Williams. He's kind of looking streamable, man. That just takes us right into this uh, Cardinals and Rams game. What did you take away from this? Surprise of the, the week, really. The Cardinals, the only undefeated team left in all of football. People had the Cliff Kingsbury fatigue. Sandy was on the hot seat before the year. Him and Zach Taylor. Seen both of them do pretty well. Their offensive line woes seem to have been fixed. Their defense with J.J. Watt seems to have turned things around. The Cardinals might be the best team in all of football. The takeaway is, as far as fantasy goes, is Chase Edmonds is the starting running back, but he's not... The goal line running back. He's 5'9", 200 pounds. I know a little bit about that myself. <laughs> they don't always like to let him get the goal line work. They like to bring in the bigger guys and try to pound him up the middle. Connor every week has a shot at getting two touchdowns. Been the highest scoring offense in all of football. Every week, they're electric. Kyler is making an early case for MVP. And anyone on the team that's getting targets from him, getting involved in the scoring action, is worth playing. Yeah, Connor had two touchdowns again. And this game, he had 18 carries to Edmonds' 12 carries. But one of Edmonds' 12 carries was a 54-yard run, which brought his 12-carry average up to 10 yards a carry at 120 total yards. I know somebody who you love, A.J. Green, had another good game at the expense of Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk. Hopkins kind of bounced back after having not necessarily the greatest game there. Is this, is this just something where it's going to be like a rotating group there for the Cardinals wide receivers? Seems like it's a rotating group. I got into it a few times with you guys in the offseason. I kept saying it's going to be Hopkins and A.J. Green on the outside. That's who it's going to be. And when A.J. Green inevitably gets hurt, it'll benefit Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk. I've been kind of surprised to see Kirk involved as much as he has been, finally looking like he was worth the investment they made on him. Rondale Moore has proven me wrong. He's proven that he can play at his size in the NFL. He's very fast. He's stayed healthy thus far. He has a knack for getting to the football he had that weird punt there was a punt early in the game where a f an official pegged the ball with a flag and it caused him to muff the punt because he the ball moved in the air and I don't think the coaches saw exactly what happened and I think he might have gotten punished for muffing the punt and didn't get to see the field quite as much as he otherwise would have curious to see if they go back and watch the tape and they go sorry Rondale for benching you after that muff punt that was not your fault don't know if that had anything to do with his usage but Max Williams like you said he's interested Dan Arnold was their guy a while back. It's a tight end on a good team. Is a tight end worth having? But he's not been anything ever. Yeah, the arguments in the offseason for the Cardinals were that they don't use a tight end a whole lot. So whether it was Dan Arnold or now Max Williams, there was going to be a lot of four wide receiver sets where both Rondell, Kirk, Green, Hopkins are all going to get their work. And like you pointed out there, some strange stuff happening on a punt, but what I take from that is Rondell is out there returning kicks. And that is an additional bonus in some leagues and just expresses their level of interest in his dynamism. On the other side of the field, Darrell Henderson dominated the snaps and the carries, actually played one of the highest percentage of snaps of any of the running backs this week. And he also chipped in five catches. I know Sonny Michelle had a fumble, and that might have something to do with it there too. But Daryl Henderson, man, he's a win now asset. Win now asset for sure. 
but as far as next year, kind of murky for Dynasty. I'm going to agree with you wholly and actually make a concession. You were correct in the offseason on the Cam Akers-Daryl Henderson debate. Akers is the much better back. He was clearly going to be their guy. Last year, we saw split carries. Henderson even averaged more yards per carry. He averaged a bunch, or he had a bunch more touchdowns than Akers. It's not because Henderson was the better player. It's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. You go back and you watch the tape. It was Cam Akers was electric in the playoffs. They liked him as a bell cow. They would even give him direct snaps because they had that goofball at quarterback that they wanted to bench for John Wolford. <laughs> when Akers is back, I expect him, if healthy, if he comes off that Achilles well, he will take over exactly what Henderson's doing right now. It won't be a split. It'll be Akers with Henderson as the backup. So Henderson, view him as a one-year guy. Yep. While he's been doing well, so has Cooper Cup all the way up until this week where he had basically what is like a floor game where the cup's half full, <laughs> but he did so with 13 targets. Uh, Woods finally got out of the woods and got a touchdown, but Van Jefferson, man, a pleasant surprise. Someone who had draft capital and just was hardly used at all last year, but has been a pleasant surprise this year. What do you say? You mentioned the draft capital is a second-round pick. The Rams don't believe in first-round picks. Mm-hmm. There's a whole pay scale to them, and then you can't pay your stars like Ramsey and Donald, and you can trade away first-round picks anyways to get Stafford and stuff like that. So why would we use that? So spending a second-round pick on a player is a big deal for the Rams. We saw them draft Tutu Atwell in the mm-hmm. second round of this year, and it's been Deshaun Jackson thus far. But as far as Dynasty goes, I expect Tutu to eventually be the next Deshaun Jackson field stretcher. Like you said, cup half full, 13 targets still. Woods got probably the most garbage-time touchdown I've ever seen my entire life there were like 10 seconds left in the game and no one's playing defense i definitely would have assumed the most garbage time touchdown you've ever seen in your life would have came from hertz but i guess i'm wrong oh it always does <laughs> oh i mean that's that's just a given that's like hertz's whole fantasy career is just garbage time it's like this guy will throw a pick he'll fumble I, he, he just likes to go down early in the game so they have to just give him the ball more he goes if i turn the ball over we get the ball right back and we're losing so we can't run the ball i love it. Yep. It's been dubbed on other things that that's bordering your way to relevance <laughs> where you get down and then you just get all your stats in the second half. And the next game on the docket, Seahawks and 49ers, Trey Lance got all his work in the second half and he put up a better game than Fields has had all year and he did it in two quarters says something about the Shanahan offense versus the Nagy offense to me. I don't know if it's an indictment on Lance and Fields. I'm still split on them. Garoppolo had the calf injury. After the game, Garoppolo just put on a show for the pressers, made you think it was like career-ending calf strain like Andrew Luck. <laughs> he might be back next week. Andy Dalton has that bone bruise. I was listening to a doctor speak on that, and he said it is almost worse than tearing your M- uh, MCL. He said this is something that could sideline him for four weeks, a month. And so I think Jimmy G and Andy Dalton potentially still the starters when they get back. Both the coaches have left that door completely wide open. They have not anointed Lancer Fields as the starter, but they both have shown exactly what at least I had thought of them coming out as they are electric athletes playing the quarterback position. They need to become quarterbacks with athleticism if they want to really prove themselves in this league. All offseason, I treated Fields and Lance as 
equals but now with landing spot it's just really hard for me to like fields more than lance knowing that lance gets to play for the 49ers and fields is stuck on the bears but in a in a vacuum it, it was it's been and still is hard for me to choose between the two it's sermon here he had 19 carries this game uh, elijah mitchell still didn't play but this is a backfield to watch because you know as people get healthy it could be like a different guy every week be it jeff wilson or elijah mitchell or Sermon or yeah, I think this could be a hard to predict backfield in the coming weeks. Yeah, you you said it there. We saw Cal Ushek a couple weeks ago put up a fantasy relevant performance. Sermon finally getting a ton of work on the ground. He had 80 plus yards, didn't score. So potentially you could say, well, he's getting the work and didn't score. I like to go buy guys off opportunity. I like to sell touchdowns and buy opportunity. Well, I'm not so sure if opportunity is always a known commodity in San Francisco. It's not a linear thing. It's not, well, I did all right. So Kyle's going to do, no, Kyle does what Kyle wants to do. He'll bench Brandon Ayuk because he woke up on the wrong side of his bed. He may be the guy, Trey Sermon may be the guy there. Third round capital was a bit strange to see him not get involved earlier in the season if he is going to truly be the the you know running back to have there. So an interesting situation, one you're going to have to call your shot on. Yeah, it's almost something where I don't even want to look at how usage has gone and try to predict from that because it's just been so against what you would expect. And one of the things that have been better than expected is Debo, who's just been blowing up week after week. It's always been and still is the potential future injury concerns with Debo, just inability to stay healthy. But right now he's healthy and he's just blowing up. I think this opportunity, I rather than banking on him now being able to stay healthy for the remainder of his career, I would rather pair him with someone and try to trade up try to get a better higher tier player in my ranks pairing Debo with someone else to move up and use this so far what's been elite performance as an opportunity to get an elite player Debo is still young he came out in the same class as AJB and DK Metcalf if you could by some means go trade for an injured AJB with Debo and some picks or something else I would so much rather have any of those other wide receivers than Debo if you can sell on the big blow up games get a Tyler Lockett-esque touchdown. It's like the defense just forgot he existed. It was a weird wheel post concept where the defenders got switched up and he's standing there wide open. All props to him, though, because he caught that ball. It was not a good pass by Trey Lance. It was short. It did not lead him up the field. It, he was just standing there. He had to catch it and then start running, and he dusted everyone. He's a special athlete when healthy. Yeah, and haven't even mentioned the other team, the Seattle Seahawks. Chris Carson has a neck injury and did not participate the day of our recording here, and he plays here on Thursday. If for some reason he doesn't play, it does seem like Alex Collins was the next running back up and Travis Homer. Sad because, you know, with my uh, love of music and whatnot, I wanted DJ Dallas to be a thing. Yeah, Alex Collins giving me beast mode vibes with the dreadlocks, the visor, the, the high pads. Obviously, he's not quite as good as you know, Marshawn Lynch, and that's an understatement of the year candidate right there. But he had that long touchdown where he looked really good. Saw Chris Carson come out super stoked for his guy. Seems like a selfless team. But if Carson's out, I don't know that I want to roll the dice on guessing who's going to get the lion's share of the carries there. I think it's something that's going to be difficult to guess immediately, but afterwards we might have some more clarity on how it might go in the future. 
and we got some clarity Sunday morning slash Saturday night that uh, they were going to activate Le'Veon Bell and that Tyson was going to be inactive. Latavius Murray led the way in the Ravens game versus the Broncos here, and it seems like he may have clinched just the 1A job for the year, assuming healthy parties all the way around. Le'Veon Bell right back to the practice squad. I don't know how many times they can necessarily do that, but still, no catches for any of the RBs. It's really hard to be interested in any of these guys, but if any of them, Latavius Murray. Well, they did just tie the record for most consecutive 100-yard rushing games, <laughs> so there's some work to be had there on the ground. Uh, Tyson, inactive, as you mentioned there. Watching the first couple games of the year, it was apparent to me that they liked Latavius Murray more, that he was getting the important snaps, that he was getting third down, goal line. We saw Tyson with that weird goal line fumble where he like tried jumping over someone, lost the ball, got recovered by the Ravens, and they scored. But if you're just watching stat lines and you could sell on that narrative of Tyson, obviously hindsight's 2020. It's always important to know that teams value more someone picking up a blocking assignment correctly or not fumbling or doing their job on some of those RPO handoffs. He was unsure of, you know, how to do it and where to go and which hole he's supposed to be hitting and stuff like that. And the Ravens are big on that. So I would expect him to remain inactive. And if that's the case, then the window's probably already gone to be sold. As we've said before, the remainder are even older than the Houston Texans running backs. So the chance for injury, I'd imagine, is pretty high there and could bring him right back to relevance where we're talking about him again again later. Bridgewater himself was injured, concussed, and Locke came back and reminded us all that he still sucks. Gosh, yeah, Drew Locke. I'm a Mizzou product myself and want to see him do well. I like the guy. He seems super nice every time I've seen him speak or, you know, seen an interview. He's down to earth, good dude, not good at football, just not good at football. If you have any of these weapons, if you have Sutton, Fant, you had another bad Noah Fant performance, another Iowa tight end, <laughs> probably pains you to see him get the Drew Locke treatment. But yeah, if Teddy can clear protocol, I'd feel much more confident playing those weapons. If not, you're probably gritting your teeth and playing some of them. Yeah, you may be stuck playing a guy like Noah Fant, and I'm sure Noah Fant, Tim Patrick, and Cortland Sutton are all hoping that Teddy makes a speedy recovery there. In the backfield there, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams were splitting work still. Javante Williams, Jay Will, had a big old highlight play, dragging defense for what I think was like a 31-yarder. It's given you a glimpse of what could be if they were to give him the lion's share or all of the work. I think he's still kind of a value in trade just because he really hasn't had that big blow up game. And as soon as he does, he's going to jump in value. But I think some people are seeing it and predicting it because I've had multiple interested parties in Javante Williams across multiple leagues. Definitely. Javante is super young. Another North Carolina product there with Michael Carter coming out of that split backfield in college. He's a thumper. He hit that hole. He boom, ran over a dude and then immediately got back up to 100% speed running, carried a guy with him for 10 yards. He's powerful. He's a 5'11", 220 type guy. When Melvin Gordon goes by the wayside, which after this year you would expect, Javante is going to be special. Yep. Looking like he could be special in the future. And the other rookie RB who isn't on IR, who was in the top of rookie drafts, is Najee Harris for our next game here with the Steelers and the Pats.
hackers, and he has been made elite basically due to the quick pass noodle arm of Ben Roethlisberger catching an inordinate amount of catches and receiving an inordinate amount of targets for what you would expect from a player with this profile, but he's been doing it, and he's been doing just fine with it. Really looking to be pretty awesome right now, but came out today. Big Ben, hip injury. If it's Kyle Rudolph, are we just as excited about Najee Harris? I think you have to be just as excited about Najee Harris because of the snap percentage. There's few running backs in the league that you can say are true three-down running backs. Najee Harris leading all running backs on the season with 93% of snaps. The next closest, Kamara, 82%. Najee Harris is out there every gosh darn play. Like you said, checkdowns. I would expect checkdowns to come from Roethlisberger like we've seen with the immobility super old. Rudolph, not known as a mobile guy. Haskins, not known as a mobile guy. Ran about a five at his 40-yard dash. So I would expect him to have that PPR ceiling. The offensive line is pretty horrendous, but if he gets 20-plus touches a game, it's hard not to see him as a top-12 running back. Good. I'm glad you think so, because all offseason I had basically ETN equal with Najee Harris. I know Najee Harris was typically drafted higher, but at this point, I think it's undeniable. You'd have to, even if ETN was healthy, you'd much rather have Najee Harris. There's no way ETN would be receiving this volume of work. No, I mean, no one's receiving this volume of work. No one. Not even, you know, Kamara, Barkley, CMC went healthy. I mean, it's crazy. Yep, Juju, not seeing enough work, if you asked him. Throwing tamper tantrums. Oh, wow, Deontay, no drops. Johnson looks like maybe last year's target total was a total fluke. Out here doing his thing, too. Last year, I think he was 147th in average depth of target, which product of Big Ben's noodle arm, you know, after the Tommy John surgery. Juju learned from his mentor, A.B., just throw a fit on the sideline, maybe force your way out. He's probably gone after the year on that one-year contract. Claypool was inactive for the game, and still, Juju didn't quite get what he needed. James Washington, if any of them go down, has been interesting. He's kind of in that Cedric Wilson vein where you expect it to be a high-passing offense, and if you you can get the wide receiver three it's an interesting deeper league off the waiver wire potentially desperation flex play type of guy yeah juju could be gone next year and so could big ben so while claypool didn't play this game it might be like a buy low opportunity to get him on your roster because i think this man is the truth there on the other side of the field aaron jones and aj Dillon split carries evenly granted it might have had to do with gain script there and how close the game actually was as far as the wide receivers with MVS going to IR. I had really hoped it was going to be like an Amari Rogers breakout game. And while he was out there, Randall Cobb was actually the one who blew up, giving me flashbacks to yesteryears. Cobb, a guy in the offseason where if you're looking at those late round wide receivers, you had Emmanuel Sanders, A.J. Green, and Randall Cobb, where you could pick a good quarterback to be with Josh Allen, Kyler, Aaron Rodgers. Josh, those are three of the top five guys in the game for my money. Obviously always has that opportunity to get those touchdowns. If you're banking on an offense, receiving touchdowns, I want to be tied to a great quarterback. Finally had his first game of any relevance all year long. With the Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon split, Aaron Jones had a fumble midway to the third quarter, and we didn't see him for the remainder of the game. I don't know if that was entirely a vindictive benching or 
if it was just the big lead and they said we're not going to risk Aaron Jones to injury kind of what we heard from the Cowboys where they go we want to save our stud running back because we know we're a playoff caliber team and we want this guy down the stretch of our season Dylan one of the best cuffs perhaps overvalued in the offseason with the preconceived notion that Aaron Jones was foregone conclusion that he was gone in the offseason so AJ Dylan potentially now his value settling back down to what it is which should be a top five cuff great offense his future's a little murky with Aaron Rodgers perhaps not being the quarterback there next year. Jordan Love, with Rodgers playing this well, people are going to say he could play till he's 45. He could play forever. Well, maybe not in Green Bay. Perhaps Jordan Love is a by low candidate in Dynasty. We've heard people say that they don't want him, that they would trade him for anything. He could go the way of Jimmy Garoppolo, where we see Aaron Rodgers stick around like Tom Brady did, and Jordan Love has to go elsewhere to get his opportunity. But opportunity will come for Jordan love first round pick doesn't just die as a first round pick never playing an nfl snap someone's gonna give that guy a chance there's definitely a way to trade in dynasty where you target players that have drastic difference differences in their redraft value and their dynasty value and you target those redraft players that have diddly squat for value but have value in dynasty and try to buy them from teams that are trying to win because they're often the most willing to part with love because i don't care that doesn't help me win this year so yep exactly like you said there you know i was rolling out tanyan this week in a handful of places and he didn't necessarily have the best game but he did have seven targets so it inspires hope that in future contests he could be picking up some of the slack especially with mvs on IR in the Bucks game, Brait came in picking up some of the slack for Gronk and he got some looks thinking that, hey, maybe it's an OJ Howard breakout game. Nope, one target, nothing. Yeah, Cameron Brait was the hot pickup with Gronk with his ribs. The reports on that were hilarious. Gronkowski, multiple fractured, broken ribs, punctured lung, might play next week. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> Yeah, that was interesting to see. And as far as the backfield, Fournette looks like he's got a, a firm hold on it. If you have Ronald Jones on your roster, at least maybe you can be excited that he finds a new team and a new spot next year. But man, there's definitely some disappointed Ronald Jones rosterers out there. If you want to take a dynasty approach to it, Fournette is a, a sell. He's an absolute sell. One-year contract, he, by his thought process, he has to be severely underpaid. He's not making, you know, good running back money. He's not even making, you know, good money. Obviously, it'd be great money. I'll take that contract right now. But he's probably gone after the year. Rojo, gone after the year. Vaughn has been a guy that we have loved to stash for as long as we possibly can. Former third-round pick out of Vanderbilt. He could be a buy low, just like Jordan Love. He's the only one on contract next year and even being active this week with Giovanni Bernard inactive with his injury that you pointed out to me last week. Still nothing, but at least he's the only one under contract next year. So I guess, you know, at least he has one tiny little narrative that you can cling to. But uh, another narrative that everybody was on was, you know, everything about this Bucks-Pats game with Brady returning versus Mac Jones, the new rookie. And... Do you know who led the game in QB rating? Is it Jacoby Myers? That is correct, sir. Jacoby Myers was the <laughs> leading QBR guy. But in all reality, uh, it was uh, an interesting game to watch there. The Patriots basically decided this is a passing game and we're just not going to run. 
Then again, you know, the Bucks are pretty vulnerable through the air, but as predicted, the most valuable running back wouldn't have even been ranked as the fourth running back coming into the season for the Pats. Brandon Bolden out there with the second most catches on the entire team behind QB1 Jacoby Myers. I don't like taking victory laps, period, but this was the fear of Damian Harris was it's the New England Patriots backfield. Who knows? It's every week. Bill Belichick just has a weird plan of some guy. We've seen it throughout the years. Jonas Gray, Rex Burkhead. I mean, there's been so many names that were seemingly irrelevant that came out of nowhere. And he's an interesting PPR floor guy. I think Mac Jones proved that he is going to be an NFL quarterback for a long time. Maybe not great for fantasy, but you'll get 10, 15 years out of him as a QB2. Exciting to look forward to there. Uh, One game that I was looking forward to was Monday night. The Raiders and the Chargers there was basically having to bench Jacobs in a lot of places. Unsure if he'd play. He did end up playing and even being questionable still had a hefty workload. Renfro, Waller, Ruggs all had good games. Brian Edwards, the forgotten man once again. Not everything I would have expected from the Raiders, at least before the weekend started. Yeah, I was looking at that line early in the week, and I thought there was a decent chance that the Chargers blew them out. I know I sent it in our group chat before the game started, and through the first half, it looked like the Chargers were going to blow them out. And then the Raiders had this weird thing where they just start games so slowly, and they come on. Saw Henry Ruggs get a couple deep shots, only one of them connected, but he and Carr have this half-decent wavelength down the field. Renfro, proving again he's one of the smartest players in the league. There was that interception that Marlon Humphrey had where he didn't even know he had the interception, and Renfro was the only person on the field, including the officials, everyone else that saw it. The fake punt happened, and he's the punt returner back 35, 40 yards. He comes all the way up the field, 30 yards up the field, to make the tackle, saving a first down. Someone that, if you're the coach, you got to love that guy and give him more opportunities. Brian Edwards was not my favorite in the offseason, but I've been coming around on him. He's always on the field. He seems, again, like... Just like the Raiders, he does nothing for the first two quarters of the game and then seems to randomly come out of nowhere in the fourth quarter and overtime because the Raiders love half their games being in overtime <laughs> and makes all of his plays happen. He's definitely a buy low. Third round capital, I believe, back in the draft last year, sophomore wide receiver. He's potentially their best true wide receiver on the team. Ruggs, a deep threat, Renfro, a slot guy. Edwards is possibly the number one wide receiver on the field. Well, I'm glad you still feel that way because I've been beating that drum and it's just not come to fruition yet. Process over results. Speak your truth. Uh, Well, patience. My boss told me recently it's either patience or it's complacence. So uh, it's one of the two there. But for now, patience. Holding out hope for Brian Edwards. Uh, Eckler out here looking like a boss. Uh, He has, in most of his games so far, one of the better RBs to have on the year. Uh, Behind him, 11 carries for Roundtree, looking like the clear cuff. Jared Cook caught a, a nice jump catch where he landed on his back and surprising to me he didn't explode into dust when he hit the ground (laughs) Uh, still Keenan Allen also put up a good game but yeah finally a stinker from Mike Williams it's funny you talked about that Jared Cook catch and he's so huge and he wears 87 Mike Williams wears 81 the way he caught that ball you know jumped up and fell on his back I thought for sure it was Mike Williams that's the Mike Williams special jump (laughs) up and kill yourself I mean that's basically (laughs) what he does reckless abandon no regard for his body he Hurts himself every play. Glad to see that he's still healthy there. Did have a question about sophomore wide receivers here. Right on the fly. 
Who you got in Dynasty? Michael Pittman or Brandon Ayuk? I did see you ask the group this, and I just chose not to answer. <laughs> Going into the season, all the way up until all the drama with Ayuk, it was clearly Ayuk for me. Like, I would have traded two Pittmans for Ayuk. <laughs> the way it's turned out so far, I'm in like a hold pattern. If I was presented with that opportunity, I'd probably try to switch parts. If I have Ayuk, I'm not trying to move him just because I th- feel like, you know, his perception has fallen so much from where I had viewed him before the season started that it's not something where I'd want to actually move him or make that call that I want to swap him out for a Pittman who I valued much less but you know Pittman rising Ayuk falling they're definitely a lot closer than they were to begin the season if you said you wanted Pittman over you Ayuk I wouldn't have any problem with it and I totally understand for now I'm sticking with that I do like Ayuk more because that has been the evaluation up until now maybe uh, as he gets his way out of the doghouse and Lance works his way in or Garoppolo doesn't have a career-ending calf boo-boo, <laughs> uh, whatever the deal is, you know, hopefully maybe uh, Ayuk can emerge back to, you know, what he looked like last year, man. He looked so much better last year. I don't understand what's going on this year. But to your point, Pittman definitely a riser in my ranks too, someone uh, who if people aren't really paying attention, this dude's breaking out. Breaking out all over the place. Definitely the number one there in Indy. Uh, him and Ayuk were only selected, you know, fewer than 15 picks apart. If you can somehow still buy on the narrative that he was, oh, he wasn't drafted that high. He was, you know, beginning of the second round. He was almost a first round pick. The clear one there with Hilton being injured, Campbell not developing quite the way that many had hoped for, Pascal. Again, Wentz loves those big guys, and him and Wentz potentially could have a nice couple of years together. Yep, and like that there, whether you're trying to make a sideways deal like that where you're trading wide receiver, wide receiver, or whatever deal, I'm out to make deals. And that's how basically I want to bring this last one in here is approach your leagues as that you want to make deals. You don't have to win. You don't have to assume that your trade partner isn't very smart and that you can pull a fast one on them where they didn't see this news bit. You know, just be out to make deals, make a fair deal, you know, have your own opinions. You know, just because somebody likes someone doesn't mean they're worth a ton. You know, have your own opinion. Either they are worth a ton or they're not. That's your choice, not just because someone's interested. Don't be scared to sell someone just because someone else is interested in them. You know, keep your own ranks. Know who you are higher on compared to others and vice versa and use that information. Be confident enough to counter or to pull the trigger on a fair deal. You know, avoid the sentimental attachment. Whether this guy went to Iowa or not, you still need to be willing to sell him. The goal is to win now and in the future. Go build a dynasty. Yeah, definitely. That's the name of the game. It is always hard to make a deal when you don't exactly feel like you're winning the deal by a ton. Don't be afraid to get your guys, because before the year, if you were to say, I like Pittman more than Ayuk, you would have been labeled as crazy, crazy town. But now, I mean, I'd rather lose with the guys that I love than win with the guys that I hate. Yep, you said it there. You're not just making a deal and losing a deal just to make a deal. Though you may get to a point in the season where you're in a win-now scenario and you're willing to lose slightly to be able to better yourself for the current season. We're not there yet. Right now, I'm still just trying to make a deal that would be fair, like we've said before. You know, you want to get the ball rolling on activity in your league. You want to demonstrate yourself as a confident buyer and seller of goods so that people feel comfortable shopping at your market. In conclusion here, another episode of Dynasty Wire. Thank you here, man. As far as I'm concerned, uh, you do an 
awesome job every time you're on. I greatly appreciate all your patience, all your research. You check through my notes. You take pride in how good your audio sounds and something where each of us and, you know, everyone, the goal is to constantly improve. And that's something we're trying to do. Uh, you want to remind them where you can be found? At Clairvoyance FF on Twitter. And like you said, just trying to put on the best show possible for the people out there. Try to give them some actionable advice. You know, if anyone has some trade questions or questions as a whole about Dynasty strategy, we'd love to hear them. Get after us. Yep, that's all we have here. I'm at Iowa in the NFL. This is Dynasty Wire. Follow at Sleeper Wire Show on Twitter and on all your various pod services to catch episodes from us and DG and everyone else here on the network. And until next time, thank you for hanging with us. Peace out. Go build a dynasty.